This is How Shall They Hear, a production of New Testament Christian Church of Renton, Washington. We hold services every Sunday morning at 1030 at 13470 Martin Luther King Jr. Way South, Renton, Washington, 98178. You can reach us by email at ntccrenton at gmail.com. I'm reading this morning from Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, we'll start in verse 1. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. He's talking about finding Christians. And as, they, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And, he said, and the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the, the pricks. And he trembled and astonished, said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him unto, into Damascus. And he, went, and he was there three days without sight. And neither did eat nor drink. And I want to take my text from Galatians 1 and 23. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preaches, preacheth the faith which once he destroyed. But, he, but they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preaches the faith which once he destroyed. To help of the Holy Ghost, I want to preach for a little while on title of the message, Getting Knocked Off Our High Horses. Getting Knocked Off Our High Horses. Sir, would you stand for please? Heavenly Father, we thank you once again always to be in the house of the Lord, to hear that word. Lord, we pray that we apply that word as we lay it on upon our Father's heart to minister to us. Pray that you're given that fresh unction by the Holy Spirit. Lord God, give them that clarity. Give them that confidence, Lord God. Lord God, we ask that you will help us to be that fervent witness for you. Lord God, we carry out your word. And no matter what's going on in the Lord in the world, we know you're going to have a remnant for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now before I begin, I would just want to make this disclaimer. That nowhere in the Bible does it say that Saul, a.k.a. Paul, was riding a horse to Damascus. It doesn't say it in the Bible. It just says he fell to the earth. And I want to say that because people are like, well, hold on a second. You're already not, you know, using the Bible correctly. Now I know he wasn't on a horse. Well, is there a good chance he probably was? I would say so. You know, that's the main uh, mode of transportation back in those days. But we're not talking about that, whether his mode of transportation. We were talking about what happened to him on that day to Damascus. Now that phrase, get off your high horse, has its origins all the way back to medieval times. To be on a high horse comes from when land order land owners and those of the upper class 
will ride their horses past the peasants and workers in a manner in which to show off their power or prestige. The phrase, get off your high horse, means for a person to stop behaving in a superior manner. To be on this so-called high horse, a person has entered into a state of pride which dictates their actions. And as I said in the Bible, it doesn't say that Paul, a.k.a. Saul, was riding a literal horse. Yet on that day, on that road, on that way to that city, Jesus sure knocked Paul off his high horse. And it was the best thing to happen to him. And when we had Jesus come into our life, it was the best thing that happened to us to get knocked off our high horses. Now who was Paul? Who was Saul? For those who don't know... Paul was a Pharisee. He was a member of an elite order of religious doctors or teachers, professors, college professors, experts. You know, you have all these people that are so-called experts on TV saying what we should do, what we shouldn't do. And they all disagree with each other. But these men, these Pharisees, they were religious doctors, teachers of the law, Top of the Jewish religion at the time. Key word. Jewish religion at that time. It wasn't what God wanted. God didn't want the Pharisees. And their attitudes. He was. Paul was highly educated. In both secular education. And religious education. He studied theology. Talking to that one gentleman last week. And I was like, you know, do you have Jesus in your life? And et cetera, et cetera. He's like, well, you know what? I, I study theology and I know. I know. Oh, sounds nice you study theology. Because so did Saul. Saul knew the scriptures. He knew them. He could quote them. You know, but you know what? That's not enough. It is not enough to have all that head knowledge and not have it in your heart. Right. We've got to have it in our heart. David said, I'll hide the word of God in my heart. Because that's where it's going to come. That's where the action is. We all have some sort of head knowledge. We know to save money. We know how to save money. But do we do it? No. It's got to be in our heart. We've got to want to have the purity of the word of God. And to live by it. The Bible tells us he was mentored by Gamaliel. Who was a highly esteemed a teacher, highly esteemed by the Jews and to include the high priest. This was a top, top ex expert in the law. And Paul, or Saul, was a student of his. Learning, as he said, at the feet of Gamaliel. Sitting there, having Gamaliel teach him all the things concerning the law. And you know what? That's a, you know, we have a... It's always good to have some sort of mentor. Yeah. But you know what? There's something happened within that teaching. Something happened, because I believe there's another portion, I don't have the scripture reference, that's coming to mind right now, praise God, how when they were disputing whether or not to let the disciples go, when they were arrested, it was Gamaliel that said, look, if this is of God, then let them, you know, it'll flourish. If it's not of God, it'll fizzle out. Right. So let them go. So something happened between this teacher-student bond that I guess a lesson that Paul did not receive. There was a, something that had happened. But you know what? Look at that other things about Paul. Paul was a Roman citizen. Thus he could come and go as he wished. He wasn't just some bum there that uh, knew the scriptures. He was a Roman citizen. Very highly educated. Very esteemed. 
And he was zealous. He was zealous. It's good to have zeal. But it's that uncontrolled zeal. Zeal of the flesh that's brought about the flesh that can cause real havoc. Real havoc. Acts 22 and 3 says, and this is Paul, I am verily a man which am a Jew, born in Tarsus, a city of Sicilia, yet brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, and taught according to the manner, perfect manner of the law, law of the fathers, and was zealous toward God as ye are this day. Paul pretty much was saying, Gave a list of everything we just talked about. He was a Jew. He was a Roman citizen. He was taught by this guy. And he was very zealous of God. It was his calling. God, everything was about the religion to him. Everything. But his pride became a weapon. His pride became a weapon. Acts 8 and 1. And Saul was consenting unto his death. This was during the stoning of Stephen. And at that time there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Verse 2. And devout man carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and holding men and women committing, committed them to prison. So Paul, acting like a modern-day Gestapo of that day, Paul, the precursor of Hitler, was going into the house of those who had preached the gospel, who followed Christ, and was dragging them out, committing them to prison. And whatever happened to those people with the prison, it doesn't really necessarily say. But we know there was great persecution of the church, and it was Saul, who is spearheading it? Right. Pride is wicked thing in the sight of God. And it is the root to most of people's sin. Pride is really the root of a lot of things that are going on in the world today. Pride. My wife had met a lady at Walmart recently, and she invited her out to church, and the lady said, You know, I don't believe in that spiritual stuff. I don't believe in that spiritual stuff. So my wife's like, okay, well, you know, God bless you. I'll keep you in prayer. And the lady said, I don't really need your prayers. And then afterward, we were talking about it. And, you know, it's one of those situations where it's like, man, I should have said this after you walked away. We said, man, you should have turned around and said, oh, I'm definitely going to pray for you now. Oh, yes, you need my prayers because you're miserable. Because, you know, and I, I, I we, there's so many different beliefs and uh, religions, whatever, different denominations. But I don't think I've ever really gotten mad at someone who said, I'm going to pray for you, especially if I knew where they, where they stood. First of all, I've never had a Mormon or a Jehovah Witness say they're going to pray for me. I've never had that. I've never had to say, you know what, I'm going to pray for you. God bless. I've never had them say that. But you know what, if, if anybody says, I'm going to pray for you, I'm going to be like, thank you. Thank you. Because there, there is a concern there. And hopefully they're praying to the right God. I want the prayers. I need the prayers. And I'm not necessarily going to question them. If somebody says, hey, you know, how's it going, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you know, i got this going on in my life. Okay, you know what, I'll pray for you. I'm like, well, hold on. Before you pray for me, can I see your doctrinal statement? Where, who are you praying to? Like that, that Jehovah Witness that was trying to get on, uh, argue with me on the internet. 
He said, well, well, you say you're a Christian, but, you know, there's so many different types of Christian. What type of Christian are you exactly? It's like, dude, does it really stick and matter? I want to have a small group, and we're going to talk about Jesus. Yeah. And that's really, you know, there's always going to be uh, some sort of small doctrinal difference between churches and organizations. Not everybody is going to be 100% scriptural. But you know what? As long as we have those key fundamentals, yeah. that there's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Yeah. That God the Father sent His only beloved Son down to die yeah. for us. To save us from sin. Well then I guess we can break bread. Yes. As long as we have that much in common. We can have church. Yes. And we'll let the Holy Ghost. Sort out the differences later. Right. But we want men and women to come to church. Yes. We want men and women to come hear the gospel. We don't care what sin they're involved in. Right. We don't care their past. We don't care what they're going to do in the future. We want them in the here. And the now. And that's what Jesus wants. Amen. Saul would go on to target Christians, dragging them out of houses. I wish we could drag people into God's house. <laughs> he had a zeal that was festered by his pride. He thought he was right. He leaned upon his education. Some people think that they are so smart. They think they have all the answers, kind of like the atheists do. Atheists think they have all the answers. But as I said to someone once, most atheists, the only reason they don't believe in God or they have such an anger towards God is because something happened to them. They were abused in some form or fashion by somebody claiming to be a Christian. And that's why they're so angry against God. And you know what? It's funny because the atheists, they never really uh, attack God directly. They never said, well, God is wrong and God did this wrong. God shouldn't have done that. They always go after the Christians. They always go after the believers. Well, preachers do this and churches shouldn't do this. And churches are wrong. But they never actually go out and they'll say, God, you are wrong. Because they know not to do that. <laughs> they don't have enough faith to talk to God face to face. But I'm glad we have enough faith to yes. go to God face to face. Yes. I'm glad I believe in a God. Yes. I'm glad I gave my life to Jesus. Yes. And they can walk around all mad because of something somebody else did to them all they want. And that's not going to change the fact that there is a God in heaven. Right. Right. That there is a God working amongst the lives of his children. And if anybody, especially on this podcast, is having doubts whether there is a God or not, then I dare you to walk outside look up towards the sky and say God reveal yourself to me God I'm calling upon you right now I want you I want to make sure you're there and God will absolutely begin the move in that person's life God will absolutely bring the circumstances together and then when that preacher comes up to them and says hey let me invite you out to church you'll know well guess what my prayers are answered he thought he was so smart Saul he had his education, his documentation, he had his degree, he could quote the scriptures. I'd rather, I'd rather have church with somebody who has barely read the word of God, but is able to cry out to God in all earnest, all spirit and truth. That someone with so much head knowledge that they can't even for one moment 
saying Amazing Grace. So I'd rather have somebody who is not very educated in the Word of God, who can't uh, quote the, the scripture numbers. You know, you get some people that are like that. Well, in Matthew 23 and blah, 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 or, or 1 Corinthians 1.18 and, you know, all this stuff. They have all these numbers and they can quote these scriptures, but they are not living it. I'd rather have someone who can't quote the scripture and is living the scripture. The Bible tells us he asks for letters of the high priest for Damascus, a.k.a. warrants. He wanted a search warrant. So when he got to Damascus, or something where he could tell the, the Roman guards or whatever, I've got a letter from the high priest that I, I found these Christians, I could take them with me. He took matters into his own hands. Nobody asked Saul to do this. The Bible says he went to the high priest and demanded letters. High priest, before you go, let me get, I, need some, I need some letters. I want to go out and I want to nab these Christians. Well, who actually you to do it, Paul? Nobody. I just want to do it. I'm taking it upon myself. And he had, you know, Paul had, thought he had it all down pat. He needed nothing. He had his career. He was up and coming in the, in the Pharisees. He had admiration of his peers and superiors. He had it all. But thank God Jesus changed all that. Thank God Jesus changed that. Pride is a force that creates a barrier between us and God. James 4 and 6 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. If you're going to be proud, God's not going to give you any grace. If you're going to be proud, he's not going to come and touch your body. He's not going to come and fix your life. If you're going to be proud, God wants nothing to do with you. But it's when you come and you humble yourself to him, that's when that wall comes down. That's why that wall came down. That curtain was shred from top to bottom in the temple. Because Jesus humbled himself on the cross. And that barrier between man and God was destroyed because of the humbleness of Christ. And we want something to happen in our life. We've got to be humble. We can't sit around and say, well, you know what? I'm not going to repent of this sin. It's not my fault. It's not, it is your fault. But God will have grace and mercy if we humble ourselves to him. Amen. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. Psalm 51, 17. A broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. A broken and a contrite heart. I remember you thinking of Hannah there at the temple or at the tabernacle. Couldn't have a child. The Bible says her adversary would mock her. This was the other wife of her husband. Back then they had the multiple wife issue. This is here in the Old Testament. But Hannah couldn't have a child. And she was sorrow in her heart. Her heart was heavy. And she sat and she prayed. She didn't uh, proclaim it. She, she prayed quietly. But her heart was broken. And God saw that. And God answered her prayer. And that's what we need to do. We need to be uh, a broken and a contrite heart. It all comes from the heart. You want to touch God's heart? You've got to do it with your heart. And it's got to be a broken heart. You've got to, find, you've got to melt that heart of stone. That heart of ice. 
you got to milk it. Pride is not thankful. Pride causes all sorts of atrocities in our world. <clears throat> We're not talking about being proud of a child for getting a reward at school, an award at school, or having a sense of accomplishment, but pride that says, I will hurt someone else to get what I want. That is pride. That is pride. And you know what? Every race has pride. And it's funny, you know, you got white pride and black pride and all these different prides. And, you know, people have pride in their culture. But I remember there in the Bible, it says, can a leopard change his spots? Can you choose your skin color? No. You can't. You weren't. You didn't choose your skin color. It happened just the way God had intended it to. We didn't have a choice. So how can anybody claim to be a supremacist? How can anybody claim to have pride in their own skin when you didn't even choose it? Where is boasting? Where is it? Can't. That had to be dealt with a couple times in the Bible. He said, you know, I am of Peter. I am of Paul. I am of Cephas, I am of Paul, I am of Jesus. It doesn't matter who your pastor was. It doesn't matter. You can't go around and say, well, I'm from this church. Right. I'm better. I'm from this church. But you can't, you can't go to another church. Well, only our church is right. You're telling me about that one gentleman who got getting all upset because you broke the bread of life for somebody else. Oh, you, you can't do that. We're the only ones that are right. You know what? The gospel has been around long before we are. We were here. Right. The gospel will be along around after we're gone. Right. It doesn't matter. And I said last week that the gospel doesn't revolve around America. I appreciate the United States. I love the freedom we have. It's awesome. It's wonderful. It's a gift of God. But you know what? My Christianity, my salvation does not revolve around who's in the White House. Right. So let it go. We got to let it go. Who cares? Yeah. It doesn't matter. Let it go. The good ones are going to come. The bad ones are going to come. They switch every four to eight years. That's life. They're not going to shut down the churches. There's too many Christians in this country for them to round up. There's too many. And the reason that those communist countries have been able to achieve that is because they were more communist before they were Christians in the country. China has never been a Christian country. And the Communist Party has always been there for the most part. Either it's communism or some sort of dynasty or empire. So Christianity was never able to get a real foothold in China. That's why the church in China is persecuted. Because it's, over, it's always been overpowered. Here in the United States, it won't happen. if God doesn't allow it to happen. There's a lot of Christians. <laughs> Way too many churches for them to shut down. We don't have to worry about it. Why? Because they get on TV and they say, Oh, we don't like Christianity. We're going to make it harder for them to have church. You can't make it harder for us to have church. Satan already does it and he fails. Yes, Satan gets you in the morning. You don't want to wake up to go to church. What's the government going to do? Seriously. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. But pride does cause many atrocities. It causes some horrible things. It causes people to do some horrible things. And pride above all says that you 
are above all. And that you don't need help from anybody. It was pride that caused Satan to be cast out of heaven. Isaiah 14 and 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. I, I, I. That's all Satan's about is I, I, I. Pride. That I and pride is capitalized. <laughs> Not literally, but pretty much. And when it came here to Saul, God had to use some extreme measures. Extreme measures. That's a message in itself. And every believer has a story. Every one of us has a story of how we came to God. Some were drawn to Christ through tough circumstances. Others were confronted with their sin. For Paul, a.k.a. Saul, God had to reveal his sin to him. He had to knock him off his high horse. Even those who grow up in Christian homes have to confront, have to be confronted somehow. Just because you uh, grow up in a Christian home does not mean you have a good-to-go past. It's not a good-to-go past. You've got to come to the cross. You've got to kneel to the cross just like everybody else. The only way into heaven is you must be born again by the blood of Jesus. There is no other way. No seminary is going to get you into heaven. No church Attending a certain church isn't going to get you into heaven. Your skin color is definitely not going to get you into heaven. There's nothing in the Bible that says that based on your skin color, you have a better advantage than somebody else. It has nothing to do with skin color. It has nothing to do with it. Yes, some cultures are a little harder on skin of certain races than others. But it has no, there is no curse. There's never been no curse on a particular people. All mankind is cursed. Yeah. Cursed with sin. But that's why Jesus came to free all mankind from the curse of sin. Right. The same cross that freed Saul from his sin is the same cross that frees us from our sin. On that day that Jesus knocked Paul off his high horse. You know, on that day that he knocked him off of his high horse, things began to change for him. And I'm glad that Jesus also knocked me off my high horse. Amen. See, I thought I knew enough religion growing up that I would make it to heaven if I died. I thought because I grew up in a God-believing household that I would be spared from hell. I didn't need God until I found myself in basic training. <laughs> I, before, I, I didn't need God before I went into the army. That's what I thought. Looking back at it now, I see that it was God who put that desire to join the military into my heart. Because look, you know, looking at me before I joined the military, I, I was unathletic. Just kind of a video gaming type bum type deal. I was a moral person in the sense. 
But I wasn't anything that was military. Never considered the military growing up. Never did any of that. But for some reason, God began to deal with my heart about it. I was very shy. But something kept drawing me to the military. And it wasn't after until I got saved I realized that that's where God had to get me. So that he could confront me with my own weakness and my own sin. Perhaps it was God who put the desire for Saul to go to Damascus. We don't know. We don't know how it all came about. But you know what? God has a plan. And God has a plan for every single person. And some people are like, well, I know God's plan for my life. No, his plan for your life is to get saved first. And then he will tell you what he wants you to do. Like Saul, Lord, Lord, what will thou have me to do? He didn't say, oh, God, forgive me. God, this. God knew that, uh, Paul knew that God was extending his grace because he didn't strike him down then and there. Paul said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And that's what we got to do. God has a plan. God is merciful even to those who murder his children. I guarantee you that in the height of the Holocaust, if Hitler would have stopped and prayed for forgiveness, God would have saved him. And forgiven him of all the murders that were committed under his hand. God could have killed Saul, but he had better plans. And God has a better plan for every one of us. He wants to bless our lives. He has a mission for us. Whether it's preaching, whether it's teaching, whether it's witnessing. We all have a special calling in God to further the ministry. So people say, well, my calling is to run an animal shelter. The Bible does not say that's a valuable calling under the callings of God. God calls us to extend our love and uh, His love and our, His mercy towards mankind. And we do that by teaching, by witnessing, by telling men and women about Jesus. And it is the great calling. I love being a Christian. I love what God is doing with me. I love it. I haven't regretted it. There's been tough times, yes. But you know what? I'm happy. And people tell me, well, what do you do for a living? I don't tell them what I do to make money. I, yes, I work a full-time job. That's the reality of the situation. But when people say, well, what do you do? I say, I'm a pastor. And I do that because I want people to know and I want them to ask questions. Oh, what church do you go to? Well, let me tell you. And I tell them what church I go to. Then I tell them about Jesus. Yeah. That's what I want people to know about me is that I'm a Christian. I want people to know that I'm a Christian more than anything else. Sin is a disease that affects all mankind. And Jesus is a cure for the sin, which guarantees, the sin guarantees eternity in hell. But people refuse the great doctor. Because of their pride. People's pride. And on that day, Paul, a.k.a. Saul, both names are interchangeable, he had an attitude change. This Jesus who Paul hated caused Paul to start singing a different tune. And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? That's a huge, amazing turnaround right then. For Paul to be going up to find Christians, to persecute them, because Paul did not believe in this Jesus. All of a sudden, turns around and says, Lord, what can I do to help you? 
That's a huge attitude change. And I remember what I was going through when I gave my life to Jesus. I had a whole new attitude change. I went in uh, uh, sad and depressed and under such conviction in my life. But when I gave my life to Jesus on that couch in that serviceman's home, I left singing and dancing. Not literally, but when I got back to my barracks room, I had a whole new outlook. I had a whole new feeling about me. I knew something had changed. I had an attitude change. And his name was Jesus. My attitude changed. And when Jesus begins to deal with the life of a person, the worst thing to say is no. When Jesus begins to deal with the believer, no is not the answer. I've sat in church. I've had my field plowed before. The preacher get up there and start preaching against sin. And I, I, I may have been involved in that sin or something I wasn't doing for the glory of God. And it burned my heart. You sit there and you mesh your teeth together. But I just say, you know what, God? No, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to listen to this preacher. I'm going to stay in my own ways. I never did that. I said, you know what, Lord? I may have a heartburn right now, but you know what? You're right. You're right, God. No is not the answer. And it was me saying yes that led to me giving my life to Christ. And I've given this testimony before, and I don't want to take up too much time. But I remember meeting the preacher by the barracks, me and another buddy. The preacher was out there soul winning. He said, hey, gentlemen, let me, I want to invite you out to my church. And I was with my buddy, and I, I knew God was already kind of dealing with my heart. And I wanted to say yes, but I had my friend here next to me. And no one wants to say yes, you know, to somebody when you have a friend with you. Maybe if he wasn't there with me, my battle buddy wasn't with me, I probably would have said yes then and there. But I didn't. We made up an excuse. Oh, we can't come to church. We have duty on Sunday mornings. And I know he knew that was a lie. <laughs> because when I became a Christian and I started inviting people out, that's the excuse they gave me. Oh, we, we have duty Sunday morning. Both of you? Same duty? You both have CQ? You both have motor, you know, fire guard? You both have this? Yeah, okay. But it is what it is. And you know what? God began to deal with my heart because I took the card. We took the cards. And I had the card, and the fire was picking up in my life, and things were not going right. And I remember that call, that still small voice. Praise God for that still small voice sometimes. Call the card. Call the card. I kept always almost picturing me. that card was in my, my dresser drawer, and I knew where it was, but it just didn't click with me. Call the card, call the card. And then when everything came to a boiling point, Outside the PX, went to call somebody. They couldn't talk. They said, oh, I'm sorry, I, I can't talk. I'm, we're, we're about to head out. So I'm like, okay, you know, I'll call you later. Hung up the phone, just kind of sitting out there outside the PX. And then I hear this voice. It wasn't a still small voice. Hey, 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 hey sir, hey, hey, young man. Hey, I want to invite you out to my church. It was that preacher again, kind of coming to me. He said, hey, I want to invite you out to my church. And something <laughs> That song, something got a hold of me. It was the Holy Ghost said, say yes. Say yes. And I felt that. I never felt anything in my life like that. That it was a, it was, it was a, a voice yelling in my heart. Say yes. 
And he said, I want to invite you out to my church. I looked up and said, absolutely, I want to come out to church. And he was taken back. The preacher was like, oh, really? And he was like looking for his notepad because he's going to get my information. And I remember talking to this preacher years later. I said, I don't know if you had a bad day that day. I don't know how many people had rejected you and your invitation to the house of the Lord. But you seemed startled when I said I wouldn't come to church. And I remember that voice saying, yes, say yes. And I did. I said yes. And I went to church. And it was just a normal service. And I was happy to be there. Didn't quite know what was going on. Don't really remember the message. But it was after church that the preacher said, hey, I want to have you over to my house for dinner tomorrow night. Because I said, oh, no, you know, I, no, thank you. I got work. You know, we're in the army. We don't know how late the night gets extended to. But then that voice again, say yes. Say yes. I'm like, yes, I'll come to dinner. I don't know you. You're a complete stranger. You're inviting me to your house. Remember, I told you I was shy. Before the military, I was shy. Before I was a Christian, I was shy. Why would I just say yes to go to some guy's house for dinner? It was actually a serious home was in his house, but that's how he put it. So I went, you know, next night we go to the, I get picked up by the, uh, the helper there at the church and they bring me to the servicemen's home. We have dinner, just talking, shooting the breeze, not really doing anything. And there was a couple other gentlemen there and it was like seven o'clock and they already said, well, you know, we need to be heading back. And we had all carpooled together with the, the church helper. He had picked us all up and he said, okay, you know. We, we can get you guys home, whatever. And I didn't want to go. I, want, I, I had a feeling I, I needed to talk to this pastor. I needed something from God. My heart was heavy. Things were heavy. And I, I remember praying, like, oh God, I don't want to go. I don't want to leave. It's only 7 o'clock. I want a chance. I, I got to talk to this man. I've been wanting to talk to him all night. I want to talk to this pastor about what's going on in my life. I need something from God. And I remember him turning to me and said, but you can stay if you want. The other guys, he said, yeah, yeah, we can get you guys home. And he looked at me and said, but you can stay if you want. <laughs> and I said, yes. <laughs> and that was God. That was the Holy Ghost. And God had my number. It was time for him to knock me off my high horse. Right. I could have said, no, I'm going to go back with them. No, this is too much for me. But I had to say, yes, yes. Yes, Lord. And that's all we need. We need to have that yes attitude to yes. God. And that's what Saul had when he got knocked off his high horse. When he was brought to the ground. When he was confronted with his own uh, humanity. With his own sin. With what he was doing. When Jesus said, why do you keep persecuting me, Saul? Who do you think you are, Saul? Saul had to say, Yes, Lord, I'm sorry. Yes, Lord, what do you want me to do? And that's what we need. And we can read that text again. Because here's the man who persecuted the church, who was killing Christians, who was consented to his death. And then it says, there Galatians 1 and 23, that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which he once destroyed. And that's what I did. I didn't want nothing to do with God. But now after God knocked me off my high horse, I want to be in God's house. I want to worship God. I want to be amongst the brethren and the sisterin. And every inner in there is. 
you're southern, you're northern, it doesn't matter. If you're a Christian, I want to be amongst that number. I'm ready to march into heaven. And like that song, when the saints go marching in, I want to be amongst that number. Oh, I want to be, because God knocked me off my high horse. And now I have no shame. If I have a sin, I'm going to go to God. I can go down to that altar in front of the multitude. I'm not going to hide and say, oh, I don't want people, what, what do they think of me? I want them to know I'm a Christian. I want them to know that I serve a living Savior. Every church service, every Bible study is God asking us to say yes. I have never met a Christian who is upset that Jesus came into their life. Amen. I've never met a Christian who was upset that Jesus confronted them. I am glad for the day that Jesus got a hold of me. I am glad that the blood of Jesus has set me free. And if you need to do if you need Jesus to do something in your life this morning, if you need him in your life, then you need to get off your high horse. Stop thinking that your money or job or background is all you need. Stop thinking that you can do it on your own. And get on your knees. And go to Jesus. Because we are nothing without Jesus. We are nothing without him. He died to set us free from sin. He died. For us. Because we are something to him. And if we need to overcome anything in our life. It's only going to be through the blood of Jesus. It's only going to be through the blood of Jesus. You can't sit there and say. Well there's all sorts of religions up in heaven. No there isn't. Up in heaven, there's only born-again believers. There's only Christians born again. Saved by the blood of Jesus. So get off your high horse. Step down. Stop thinking that you're something. Because without Jesus, you're nothing. Without Jesus, I'm nothing. I have no hope without Jesus. I have no peace without Jesus. I have no direction without Jesus. Let us find a place to pray this morning. Let's humble ourselves before God and let Him work mighty things in our lives.